I heard a story quite a while back about a father who recommended a certain bank to his high school son that was just getting a, a job for the first time. So the father recommended this bank where his son could put his money. And soon after that, the son comes to his dad angry and upset. And his dad says, well, what's the matter, boy? What, what's the matter, son? And he said, Dad, you recommended a particular bank to me. You're the one who suggested that I put my money in this bank, and now there seems to be an issue with that bank. They seem to be in trouble. The dad said, what in the world are you talking about? And he told his dad, he said, well, that bank could not even cash one of my checks. I got a letter from them. I got the check back saying insufficient on the debt that we have when it comes to standing before a holy, righteous God. We are so lacking in funds when it comes to measuring up to the righteousness of God. Matter of fact, God's word is clear. There are none righteous, no, not one. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? One of the first scriptures I learned as a new believer in Christ was Isaiah 60, uh, 64, verse 6. Isaiah 64, verse 6. And I remember what a profound impact that this verse had on convincing me of my lost condition. I, I had become a believer. I had by faith trusted Christ. I knew that I was a sinner. But I remember after trusting Christ and reading this verse, the reality of just how lost I actually was hit home. Isaiah 65, 6, but we are all as an unclean thing and all of our righteousnesses are good things, the good works we do, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags and we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Boy, that's pretty descriptive, isn't it? There's none righteous, no, not one. And the good works that we can perform, the good works that we can do, God's Word is very clear. We fall so far short of His, His glory. Fortunately, fortunately for us, payment in full has taken place thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ. The indebtedness that we had has been paid in full and the righteousness of Christ is all sufficient to cover that indebtedness. 
You talk about the amount drawn from Calvary Bank and Trust Company. You can trust that the funds there are all sufficient to cover the indebtedness. You talk about a blood bank. First cross and savings is guaranteed to cover the indebtedness. With the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on Calvary's cross, you will never ever, when you stand before the Lord, receive any type of statement or indication that you're lacking in funds. You will never receive insufficient when it comes to your spiritual standing before Christ if you are in Christ. Payment in full has been paid. You owed it, and I like this little adage because I think it's so true. You owed a debt you could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. How absolutely true that is. One book that really sums up what I just said, one book that you can turn to that really declares or is an analogy, actually, of this glorious truth is the book of Philemon. And that's where we are today as we continue with our study of Christ of the book we're in Philemon. Now, when I first started doing this, Christ of the book, I put, he is our substitute. And he is. He really is. But I think more fitting, and especially with the book of Philemon, he is our account payer. He is our account Payer. But he definitely is the substitute. It's a short book. Philemon's a short book. Only one chapter, 25 verses, 334 words. But boy, is it packed with truth as we think about the Lord Jesus Christ being our account payer. That he is the one who changes everything. He changes everything. This book is a, the story of a slave, a man, a young man who went from a slave to a trusted brother in Christ. Who in the world could bring about a change like that? Only one person. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's also the story of a slaveholder, a wealthy slaveholder that goes from a slaveholder to an entrusted saint of God, an encourager, someone that Paul understood that he could trust. Who could bring about a change in a person like that? Who in the history of the world has made such an impact on humanity? Only one person, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ by far. No one else even comes close to having that kind of impact. Matter of fact, I read this week 
that the most popular person in the history of mankind, the number one person in the history of mankind is Jesus Christ. Now, I, I agree with that. I was kind of surprised to believe that the world would give, would, uh, give knowledge to that, would accept that. But as you look, I think Einstein is somewhere on that list. Um, I forgot now. I, I was so excited to see that number one was the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? That's true. No one has ever changed mankind. No one's ever changed your life the way the Lord Jesus Christ has. No one's ever changed my life. I've had a lot of great influences on my life, but only one has changed my life and made me a new creation, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. What's interesting about this book is critics in the 19th century, they question whether it should even be in the Bible. And these highly intellectual, and I say that with a lot of sarcasm, folks, they, they believe that it really contained no doctrinal truth. It really contained no doctrinal uh, information or content, no doctrinal content. How foolish, how foolish. The greatest doctrine of all is that God changes people. And that's what the book of Philemon is all about, that God makes a difference in a person's life. Don't tell me there's no doctrine there. And as we get into it, you're going to see it is a beautiful allegory. As we read through this, you're going to see that Philemon is in the position of, of God the Father. Paul is in the position of God the Son. And Onesimus is you. Is you. And as we go through this, you see Paul going to Philemon and talking about this sinner, talking about this runaway slave, talking about this thief, and he goes to Philemon and he says he is a new brother. This, this man is a brother in Christ. And I'm asking you to forgive him. And if he owes you anything, put it on my account. Put it on my account. Folks, that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. And that's exactly what God the Father has done. That's what we need to understand. Is God the Father has put what you owed onto the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, that satisfies it. That's why we believe so strongly, so fervently in eternal security. Because it's not about what I do, but it's about what Christ has done and who I am in Him. My security, certainly not safe. My, my eternal security is certainly not based on me earning it, doing anything for it. And boy, am I glad based on what the Lord Jesus Christ has done on my behalf. And I will be eternally grateful for what he's done for me. In the book of Philemon, Paul writes it from 
from prison. Remember, he, those prison epistles, was, uh, he wrote to the, uh, to the church in Ephesus. He wrote to the church in Philippi. He wrote to the church in Colossae. Now he's writing to the church that is in Philemon's home, about 62, 63 A.D. This book is a phenomenal picture of forgiveness, of restoration, and accountability. Folks, those three doctrinal truths, I mean, as a matter of fact, you can almost say the book of Philemon contains every doctrinal truth from Genesis to Revelation as we talk about accountability, as we talk about forgiveness, as we talk about restoration. It shows the power of God and what He can do. And as we go through this, keep this in mind about Onesimus. He was a runaway slave. He was a thief. And Philemon, his owner, had every right under Roman law to treat him any way he wanted to. As a matter of fact, it was pretty much known that if you ran away as a slave, it was the death knell for you. You were going to be executed while they couldn't have their slaves running away. There had to be a punishment. There had to be a price to pay why every slave would be running away. And the way Paul handles this, and I, I think, uh, keep this in mind, Philemon was from Colossae. And the book of Colossians is one of the strongest arguments against slavery. The book of Colossians, Paul makes sure that slavery was a, a, the way things were during that day. People, they had slaves. But both the, to the letter in, in Ephesus and in Colossae, Paul made sure that they understood, here's how you treat those people basically who work for you. You read them now, you see what the, God's instructions is. You treat them as employees. You treat them with dignity, with respect. So Paul made sure that. So he's not addressing the issue of slavery, but he's making sure that this wealthy individual, Philemon, treats Onesimus not as a slave, not as a possession but as a brother in Christ. And again, that's all about what God does, how God changes a person's life. Again, changes Onesimus. And, and we're going to see Onesimus goes back. You talk about a real conversion. You talk about a change. You talk about courage. He actually goes back and carries this letter to Philemon. You know, most people would have said, sure, Paul, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go back. Yeah, yeah, just hand me the letter, shoom, and been gone. But he goes back knowing the possibility that he could be executed. It shows you that his conversion experience was, was real. It shows you that Philemon's was also real. So Philemon, chapter 1, but that's the only chapter there, so you don't have to look far. Verse 1, Philemon 
verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. And if Paul had never been to Colossae, so he, he knew somehow Philemon. He was hoping to be released unto Philemon. He was hoping to get out of prison, and when he got out of prison, he was going to be released unto him. To our beloved Aphia and Arachippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. Now, I'm going to tell you, Paul was a pretty sharp cookie. He happened to be that when the Holy Spirit's the one doing the writing through you and speaking through you. And he didn't just say, you know, dear, dear Philemon, this is the personal letter to you, and I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I'm going to send back Onesimus. He was, a, he was your slave, and, uh, uh, but I'm going to send him back, so uh, please receive him. He writes the letter to your church. He wants everybody to know what's going on. He wants everyone to realize that, Philemon, you're being put on the spot. You have an opportunity to be a real testimony. As a matter of fact, he basically says that. Paul tells him that. I think that's just shrewd. Talks to his about his daughter to his daughter-in-law and his son or his son son-in-law and daughter. I'm not sure. But to the church in your house, so it wasn't personal, but boy, is it meaningful. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What a lesson Paul is about to lay on Philemon. I thank my God making mention of thee always in my prayers. See, Paul prayed about things like this. It's because prayer works. Prayer works. So he was praying even about this situation, knowing that this was a serious situation, knowing that the, the, the ongoings of that church there was serious, was important, and he, it, it was not just words. It's not just part of the salutation. Paul was serious. I thank God making mention of thee always in my prayers. Folks, I think we pray about everything. We pray for everything. Hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. See, I think Paul's setting him up. I, 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 I hear about your love for all saints. And by the way, I'm getting ready to introduce you to a new brother in Christ. I'm going to I'm about to introduce you to somebody that is now your brother. And he's a saint. And so I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I've heard about how you have love and faith toward all saints. That the communications, and the word communication, there's literally fellowship. That the fellowship or the communications of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Philemon, you are about to be able to be an extraordinary example. You are about to be placed in a position to, in an extraordinary manner, show the love of God 
the fact that you really understand that God makes new creations out of all who come and by faith believe. Verse 17, For we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. The, the, the Bible there has to do with compassion about the heart. Uh, I know a lot of times people will laugh when I use that word uh, bowels like that, and it's because that's the word that was, that was used. Now, nowadays would say, by your heart, your, your heart is, is bothering you, and your heart is, is uh, heavy over something. Back then, he talked about bowels. But let me ask you a question. When you get all upset, when you have certain emotions that are going on inside, where do you feel it? In your gut. It's in your gut. See, so this is more scientific than, and you know, I was raised down south to say, bless your heart. But I think it's more appropriate, bless your bowels, but it's not going to have the same reaction. It maybe would, I don't know. But but that's what he's saying. He's saying, for, for we have great joy and consolation in thy love because of your your love because of the heart you have, the emotions you have, the feelings you have for all saints, and they are refreshed by you, brother. Boy, what an encouragement this Philemon was to the saints. And Paul is basically saying, this is what God expects. And I've heard that that's the way you are. And I'm sure Philemon's reading this letter to the church there and just beaming as he reads through that and, and thinking about what, what the Apostle Paul is saying and, and everybody's probably got their hands all clapped and just thinking, oh, how wonderful that is. Verse 8. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee or to command thee that which is befitting. You know, I, perhaps I should be bold and command you based on my apostolic authority, is what Paul is saying here, to command you to do something, but I would rather you do this in love. I'd rather you do this from a caring heart, a caring spirit, not because I am telling you to do it, but because we are in agreement that what I'm about to ask you to do is essential, for not just for his relationship with Christ, but the testimony he has with the church that's in his house. Yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul never called himself, called himself a prisoner of Rome. Never did. He was always a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And, and I think that's fitting. I beseech thee. Here's something I could, I could command you to do, but I don't want to command you. I'm too old to fight those battles. It's basically what Paul is saying. I don't, I, I don't want to... I'm, I'm going to appeal to the Holy Spirit that resides in you. I beseech thee, 
for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. Now, Onesimus, his name's pretty in, unusual or pretty interesting. Onesimus, his name means useful or profitable. Useful or profitable. So here he's, he's said all of this stuff to, to Philemon, and now comes the purpose of this letter. Is I, I am coming to you on behalf of this brother in Christ who has a, who you own, who has a tremendous debt hanging over his head, But I've begotten him. I've witnessed to him. He's come to know the Lord Jesus, which in times past was to the unprofitable. See, that's, the plan. that's what Onesimus means, is profitable. Which in times past was to the unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him that is my own bowels, my own heart. I love this man. This man is a brother in Christ. I've sent him back to you. And the fact that Philemon was reading that letter, and it's one of those things, you, you wonder what he was reading the letter, and then looked at Onesimus and written, huh. For I have sent Again, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, just like you would receive me. That's what that's saying. You receive him just like you would receive me, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. I could have used Onesimus. I could have used his usefulness. I could have used... The fact that he would be profitable unto me. But without thy mind or without thy okay, without your permission, would I do nothing. That thy, thy benefit would not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. Now this shows me that Paul had a lot of respect for Philemon. And how he was approaching this Again, you, you've got to understand how critical this scenario was. Onesimus was a runaway slave. He was a thief. And Philemon, under the law, could have said, off with his head. He deserves death. What he could have said. Verse 15, For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou should receive him forever. Wow. Is that not a statement that epitomizes that man was lost forever thanks to Adam in the garden and what he rejected God, rejected God's plan, rebelled against God? But God's plan was to change that. Perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou should receive him forever. 
now not as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Two things. It shows me that there's been a real change in Onesimus, and there's been a real change in Philemon. The fact that he would even consider doing this. Because I'm sure that the other wealthy people who maintain slaves would have gone, no, 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 you can't do that. You've got to make him an example. Okay, I will. You're forgiven, brother. Wow, what an example that is. Showing what a change. Verse 17. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. Oh, folks. See, that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ does to the Father on our behalf. You are in him. Do you see the picture that the Holy Spirit is presenting here to us? And that, that, that analogy, that, that, that type that we have here just jumping off the pages when it comes to our relationship. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. And if he has wronged you or owes you anything, Put it on my account. Put it on my account. I, Paul, have written it with my own hand. I will repay it. Howbeit, I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me, even thy own self besides. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord, having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. But withal prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you or released unto you. Therefore salute Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Wow, what a testimony. What a picture of exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. That's, that's what this book is all about. It's for us to see in this scenario that what God has done through his son, to go before God the Father and say, put it on my account. I paid that debt. That's what this is a picture of in its entirety. Salvation is not a hope so. Salvation is not a maybe. Salvation is not, well, We'll have to wait and see. I guarantee you Marge didn't have to wait. As she took her final breath, she knew where she was going. I don't think I've ever met anyone, anyone that was so ready to go to heaven than Marge Richtemeyer, unless it was Virginia Snop, Neil's mom. Both of those women, they were ready to go 
They knew where they were going. Because for them, it wasn't a hope so, it wasn't a maybe. It was a definite because they believed God's word. They believed that Christ Jesus stands before God the Father and He is your advocate. He is the one that took upon Himself that payment in full that you owed. You were the runaway slave. You were the thief. You were the sinner. And Christ Jesus was the Savior. And what a Savior He is. One of these days, you are going to stand face to face with Christ. One day, face to face. One day, just as Marge, Marge's appointed time has come, one of these days, yours will also. And you will stand before the Lord Jesus. Face to face. How glorious that's going to be. There's no doubt to stand before God Himself that there's going to there's going to be some trembling. But there shouldn't be any doubt. When you stand before Christ, sure, there's going to be, I I can't imagine, can't imagine. But the one thing is that you'll know that you are right with God the Father, that your sins are totally, completely, wholly forgiven Because you are in Christ and payment in full has been done. What a glorious truth that is.